And so we want as elders to, again, equip you and set ourselves at the very beginning of this year with our focus, our mission, understanding who we are in Jesus and then how we are to live. And so we're going to be talking a lot today and every Sunday about the gospel. That's what we're about. But let me ask you this. How would you define the gospel? Give me a definition. Good news. Good news about what? That the Cowboys won last night? That's not good news. Not good news? Oh, okay, sorry. Good news. Yeah, we're, 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 let's dig that out a little bit more. So we're, that's, a, that's the great start. Okay, good news about the salvation from sin? Yeah. Through Jesus. Kind of piecing it. We're piecing it together as we're going here. All we're going right, to have nice. a full sentence once the you good guys are news all done. about salvation from sin through Jesus. Anybody want to add to that? I'm sure there's a game out there somewhere, right? Like that. It's free. I don't have to work hard at it. Like, I don't have to do a certain amount of things in order to get it, to get that salvation. It's free. That's awesome. That's pretty good news. What else? How else would you define it? Chris, how would you define it? Put me on the spot like that. Well, you already have most of the sentence done. You can that wasn't in my else. notes. Oh, okay. so. You know, it's interesting because it's, it seems like it's such a simple question, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's very complex. And it's the very thing that we say we're about as the church. And if we don't fully understand what that means, what that good news is, then do we truly understand how to live in light of that good news? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and this is one thing when we team teach, like we kind of have an outline, we kind of know where we're going, but then we drop things like that, we put them on the spot. So he's probably thinking of ways he's going to get me back um, in the next. I didn't actually answer your question though. So yeah, yeah, I was waiting. (laughs) So yeah, it is good news, uh, which during, during the time of Jesus and his life, it was literally, so the word euangelion literally translates to good news. And it was a common phrase, just like good news is a common phrase today, used oftentimes when uh, kingdoms won victory in battle. And so a messenger would come back and yell, good news, the battle is over, we are victorious, we've won, right? And so this proclamation, if you were with us the last couple weeks of Advent as we were going through the story of Christmas, that you, you remember that, when Jesus is born, at the time, there was a Caesar who called himself Lord, Savior, Rescuer, King. And this birth of a little baby comes with an announcement from angels from heaven, shouting and proclaiming good news, victory. There's a new king, a better king. And so the good news of the gospel is yes, that Jesus has come to save us from our sins. It's yes, that he has come to renew and restore us and to make us whole. But it's also that there's a king, a rightful king, who rules over all of creation. And even though creation has been broken, he has come to set it right again. Yeah, that's great. And that really is good news. It's not only good news for us who believe, but it's good news for this watching world for our neighbors, our colleagues, those that we're 
getting coffee from every day. It's good news for those who are made in the image of God, so that is every man, woman, and child. It's good news that God in and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus has come to restore and renew and redeem the whole of humanity and all of creation. And that is good news, not good news that is to come because that's true. I mean, do you long, like especially in this time where it's dark and broken, do you long for Jesus to come and make all things right? I do. I really do. But even as we hope and wait, there's good news now that can change our life and the power of God in us to live in his ways even now in hope and joy. And we need to hear that, and the world needs to hear that. And so what we want to do over these next two weeks is just, again, remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus, rehearse the good news of Jesus, and then respond to the good news of Jesus as we are sent out into the world. And so in order for us to do that, we need to understand who we are, our, our identity. There's that song that we sang earlier, if I ever forget my true identity, remind me who I am. And so that's what we want to do over the next two weeks is to remind us that we now in Christ have a new identity. Okay, the scriptures say that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, that the old has passed away, the new has come. And so when you become a believer, when you give your life and say, Jesus, I believe that you are that true king over all things, that you came and in your life, death, and resurrection took my sin, took the wrath that I deserved and my rebellion to God, when you took that upon me, or took that upon yourself, saved me from my sin, and then raised from to new life, giving me new life through your spirit, that prompts us to praise. It prompts us to live in new power. It prompts us to live in a way so that the world sees what's going on. They go, wow, that is good news. And so we need to be reminded of that because when you hit tomorrow and you go back to that job you don't like, or you go back to those relationships that are rubbing you the wrong way, or when you read the headlines that seem so broken and dark, you need to be reminded of the truth of who you are in Christ and the truth of how God is carrying out his missio dei, the mission of God in and through us. And so that's what we want to do over the next couple of weeks is just, again, remind ourselves that we are called in God's true story to live out his mission, the missio dei, in our words, in our deeds, our language, in our life. So we use these six symbols to kind of orient us into God's story, right? And just a reminder of where we find ourselves, these six symbols are a tool that kind of guide us through the entire Bible. If you start all the way over on the left-hand side, you have this downward arrow where God has created all creation. He has spoken to existence, humanity, to walk in closeness with him. The X represents what? The fall or rebellion, our rebellion against God that we see that Adam and Eve both did. They didn't trust God, that he knew what he was talking about, that he was perfect, that his ways were holy. And so sin enters not only into the life of humans, but into all creation. And so even in that brokenness, we are reminded that God speaks a word of hope 
even in the garden to Adam and Eve and says, even though that sin has broken in, I, as the faithful God, there is going to be someone someday, the offspring of woman, who will come and put to right all that has been broken now. And we're just summarizing this really quickly, but that promise, that forward arrow, third symbol over, is the promise that all of Israel in the Old Testament was looking forward to. A day where a Savior, a Messiah, a King would come into the world, save Israel, and save all of creation from the brokenness, tragic effects of sin. And we know that that was fully realized in history through Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the one that was promised. That's symbolized by the cross. And then Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection He then called a people to himself, the church, who is now called and commissioned, sent out into the world to be the hands, feet, words, heart of Jesus to a watching world. And that is where we find our fifth symbol, another forward arrow, and that's where we find ourselves today in the true story of history, the true story of God, that like the early church, Our identity, our calling is to take up God's missio dei, the mission of God, to a watching world. With the hope that that final symbol, another down arrow, is the recreation, a new creation where Jesus will come again and he will restore all things to himself. All that is broken, he will right. All that is wrong will be put back together. I long for that day and we are called to be the people that herald and proclaim and demonstrate that that day is coming. This is a true story. That fourth symbol, the cross, actually represents not just the death, but the the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that is the good news entering into that story. That's the good news we're talking about. And so it's the gospel is good news of a true event that really took place in history, in the timeline of the world, that has now completely changed and transformed everything. And if you have believed in that good news, if you've responded to that good news, if you believe in this Jesus who has come, that he actually is the king over all creation, that he is God himself, come down to be with mankind, then that good news, that news of that true event that has happened, the gospel, has also transformed you and changed you, and it is continuing to transform and change you to live more faithfully in that story. And so our role as elders, as pastors, and our hope and our desire and our prayer uh, this year, just like every year, is that we are helping to equip and shape all of us to live more faithfully in this true story, to live more faithfully in light of that good news, to actually live out our role and our identity in the Missio Dei, the mission of God, because his mission was to come and bring restoration, not just to you and I, but he is calling us and saving us as a people to join in his work as well, that we get invited in to the mission of God with him. And so we use uh, this simple Venn diagram, three spheres, to kind of show how this transforms and shapes all of life for us. This gospel, this good news, comes and transforms Every bit of us. And you can also call this what sometimes we've said, it's an up and out type of focus, right? Like it's our, our relationship upward with God that we are being formed by. This good news gospel is forming us or transforming us into a new people, giving us a new identity. 
Uh, but that what it's also doing is the good news is forming us into a community. Uh, as children of God the Father now, we are also brothers and sisters with one another. And so we're called into this community to be God's people together. That's that in, that we, we share one another's burdens together. We love one another. We serve one another. But that also we're, we're formed through the gospel into a community that is sent out on God's mission. And so there's this outward focus as well. That God, like I said, he, he didn't just save us so that we can have a personal, uh, one-on-one, individual relationship with God. Although we do, the, the beauty of the gospel is we do get that. But remember, as we said, he's the king over all creation. He's on a mission of restoration over all the world. And he's now invited you and I to take part in that together as a community of his people. And so a lot of times uh, we, we can kind of compartmentalize things in life, especially in our day and age, in our culture. We break things down into categories. We put things into boxes. Uh, we have our work over here. We have our spiritual life over here. We have our family life over here. Uh, but we can't really do that with this. We can't say, I'm going to be formed by the gospel, but not enter into community with other believers. Because the very message of the gospel is that you have been brought into a family, right? And so if you are studying on your own and reading and learning and being formed by the gospel, what it's going to do is not just give you head knowledge, but it'll start to trickle down into your heart and transform you and then move out into your hands and change the way that you live. So it will invite you into a community of God's people. But we also can't just do community that's truly formed by the gospel without engaging in the very thing that God has called us to. And so these three areas of gospel, gospel formation, gospel community, gospel mission, this is what we're striving for very imperfectly because we're still, uh, we still have our faults and our failures. We're still sinners being transformed daily by the good news of Jesus. But what we are striving for as a community, Missio, is to hit that sweet spot right there in the middle where formation, community, and mission completely overlap. Some of that takes place in our Sunday gatherings. A lot of that takes place more in our DNA groups and in our missional communities. And we'll talk more about that specifically next week. But what we want to talk about most of the rest of today is how we can actually live in that sweet spot because, not because we're going to get it right this year, not because we, Wade and I have some really great tips and tricks and some tactics, and uh, if, if you follow these three steps, you will live more faithfully in the story. No, it's because of the good news that Christ has come, and he has given us the power of his spirit to dwell within us, that we actually have the power to walk this out, because we have been given a new identity. And so if you've been with Missio for any amount of time, you know we talk about we have four identities, and so we're going to discuss those a little bit this morning, um, but our Oh, that's fancy drawing there, Wade. Good job. How do you? We have, we have four identities that we are shaped by, but what we say is that we are a family of servant missionaries learning to follow Jesus in all of life. So one statement gives us our four identities. It's not something Wade and I sat down and tried to figure out. In fact, it's not something Soma Communities, which is a larger network of churches we're part of, sat down and tried to figure out. It's something that we find directly through the story of the gospel. That we are a family 
that we are servants, we are missionaries, and we are learners. And so we're going to unpack what those mean. So just to give you a brief definition of how we define this, and these, again, like Chris said, these aren't things that we just come up with. This is rooted in Scripture. The, the, these identities that we are family, we're servants, we're missionaries and disciples of Christ are rooted in Christ himself. And so we just want to take a real quick snapshot of what those identities are. And then we're going to have you here in a couple of minutes look at a couple of passages of Scripture at the end of Luke and then in Luke's other book, Acts, where we see these identities actually playing out. And just kind of give you an idea, we're going to have you break up and you're going to look at those, you're going to dialogue about that. And then next week, we're going to talk about how do we then take those identities and really truly live them out right now in our very lives. How do I live this out if I'm a teacher? How do I live this out if I'm a mom, stay home parent, whatever that, as a student, what does this actually look like to truly live out my identity as God's child, as his servant, as his missionary in my everyday stuff of life, okay? So the first truth that is uh, that we see in Scripture that is real and true about us in Christ is that we are family, that God is our Father. Unlike any human father, He's perfect. He's better. He won't disappoint you. He won't leave you. He is our heavenly dad. In fact, Jesus calls Him Abba, which if you really want to bring it into layman's terms today, it's like saying Daddy. He is our dad. He's our heavenly father. And the good news of Jesus says this in 1 John 3. It says, see what kind of love the father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The scriptures go on even further in Romans 8, where the apostle Paul is saying that those of us who have come to faith in Jesus... We are adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. You are now a child of God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on and says, not only are you a child of God, you're now an heir of God. That means you get all the benefits of, what, of who God is and what he has done. And he goes on and he says, you are a co-heir with Christ. And so if you extend that even further, what that means for us is that those of us who are children of God, who've come to faith in Christ, you and me are brothers and sisters together in the family of God. And so we say that as a family, we are children of God who care for each other as family. The Father has adopted us. That's good news. The reason that we can call the creator of the universe, dad. The reason we are called his children now is because the son of God, the true son, the one who had perfect relationship with the father, laid down everything, his entire life, his whole self, gave himself up in service to us who were once enemies of God so that we could be welcomed in. And so we say that we are servants of Jesus who serve him by serving others. Because the king of all creation made himself a servant. He showed that through his life as he was washing people's dirty feet, as he was feeding people who were in need, as he was healing people who were sick. 
And then he showed that in his death as he willingly gave himself up for us. And so Romans 5, 8 says this, that God demonstrates his own love for us, his love as a father, in this, that while we were still sinners, meaning while we were rebelling against God and far away from him, Christ died for us. And it's because of the king who makes himself a servant that we now have been given this identity of servants as well. We serve Jesus as we serve others. We serve one another. We serve those outside of the church walls. Uh, In Matthew 20, it says this, verses 26 through 28, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man is speaking of Jesus there. He didn't come as he could have and say, I am the rightful king, bow down before me. But instead, he came and humbled himself so that we could be brought in his family. And so because of that, we now are free to serve. And Christ, sent by God to take on flesh, was sent to fulfill God's mission, and that was to redeem and renew all of creation and the whole of humanity. So Jesus was obedient to the Father and taking on that servant role of giving his life for our sake so that he would be the missionary coming to fulfill God's plan, perfectly living out and fulfilling all that Israel could not, being the only true Savior, the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, as he calls his people to him, first his disciples, and then through them, the church being built up, Jesus empowers his people to also be sent out with the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done to restore all of creation to himself. In Matthew chapter 28, at the very end, we read this. It says, Jesus came to them, his disciples, and he said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me because he's the king. He's God in the flesh. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this passage is right before we see Jesus uh, ascending to the right hand of the Father. His earthly ministry is done. He's equipping his followers not only his disciples, but eventually through the church, us included, to go into all the world to make disciples, to make little Christs, people who are following after Jesus in all walks of life. And so Jesus is sending his disciples out on his mission to carry that good news of the gospel here, near, and far. And as we see As the good news of the gospel is unfolding, we see the church taking root. That same mission continues through the story of the building up of the early church as well as our mission today, that we are still to go into the world and bring the good news to bear. That's that's our task. That's our missionary identity, our task. So we say that we are sent ones 
empowered by the Holy Spirit to show and share. I like to say sometimes to show and tell the good news of Jesus to other people. The Spirit sends us out. We got to remember it's first and foremost, it's whose power? Ours? No, it's Jesus. His power, all authority has been given to me on, in heaven and on earth. And he sends his Holy Spirit into us at that moment that we believe. Now that Holy Spirit, God the Spirit indwelling us, empowering us to go and live, to go and forgive, to go and do justice and mercy, to have words of graciousness, to love those students who day in and day out drive you nuts in the classroom. That type of living doesn't come on our own. It comes from the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in us. But we are a family of servant missionaries taking up that mission into the world. So that's what we believe as Christ followers. That's what we believe the Bible teaches. That's what the, the true story unfolds for us. That the good news of Jesus means that you are brought into God's family that Christ has served you to the point of death, so you are now free to serve others, and that you also are invited into the mission of God of bringing healing and restoration throughout all of creation. And that sounds amazing. But we also know that at times we, we do not really live in that, do we? And so we believe that our, our fourth identity that we find is that we are learners, that we are constantly learning to walk more faithfully in this story and that we are relying on the Spirit to continually transform us in that way. Another word for learners is disciple. And this is what Jesus said to people who are wanting to follow him as his disciples. This is in Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. He says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What he's saying is the things that you were holding on to for satisfaction, for joy, for pleasure, for meaning and significance that you thought you needed in your life that defined who you were, leave that behind. That identity is dead. But you have a new identity now. If you're willing to lose that life, you will find true life in me, a new and better identity in me that you can live faithfully in and that you will find true satisfaction, joy, hope, significance, meaning, that you will learn how to be more faithfully a family member of God, serving the way Jesus serves and living in the mission of God to bring healing and restoration. And so what we say is that we are disciples of Jesus who are continually learning to walk in his ways. This is done through being in the word, to know the story better, it's done through prayer. That's why we're making it a point to say these are things we're pressing into in 2019. It's done through communion with the Spirit. That's a prayer time. And it's done in community with one another. And so we're going to take those four identities, a family, servant, missionaries, learning to follow Jesus in all of life. And we're going to look right now at the end of Luke chapter 24. And so if you have your Bibles, go to Luke 24. We're going to look at verses 44 through 49, and then go ahead and get your thumb over in Acts chapter 2, okay? It's a few chapters over, a few books over to the right. If you have a, a device, you're just going to have to like 
tap really quick to get over there next. So this is what pages are actually good for. So you can just make a little bookmark in Acts chapter 2 because we're going there next. But as Wade said earlier, we're going through the whole book of Luke. Uh, we, we did that up through Christmas time. We're taking a break for two weeks to jump ahead to the end of Luke to see more where we are in this story. I'm going to read Luke 24, verses 44 through 49. Then we're going to read Acts 2, verses 41 uh, through the end there. And then we'll break you up in groups. And what we want you to do, and so be listening as I read this now, we want you to be looking in the text here for how this church is living out those four identities, family, servant, missionary, learner, and talk about that. So in Luke 2, verse 44, then he said to them, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, that's the entire Old Testament, that's the whole book of the Torah that the Jews had, everything written about me, he says, must be fulfilled. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Remember, this is not in our power we do these things. He's sending you power from on high. That's the spirit. Acts 2. You want to read that? Starting in verse 41. So those who received his word, Christ's word, were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And you remember that they are baptized into a new identity. Baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And they, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I'm going to pray, and then we would like you just to turn around, grab about four or five people with you. If you have more people than that already, like in your family, that's fine. Uh, it could be three, it could be, but have more than two and get together in a group and start discussing those sections where you see those identities being lived out and how they're given to us by the good news of Jesus. And so Father, we pray that you would open up our minds, our eyes, our hearts, our ears to receive what you are wanting to say to us right now through your word. This is not just a, an old history book or a textbook for us to study. This is your word addressed to us, given to us that we can know you more fully. And so I pray, God, over the interaction in these groups, and even if it's um, 
awkward for some. We don't do this all the time, uh, especially if someone's visiting and, and this just feels really weird. Um, God, I pray that you, your spirit would be in that group, present with them, speaking to them, uh, drawing them into you to know more of who you are, revealing your truth to them, uh, and to wait in myself as well. God, that as we dialogue, as we discuss, we are being transformed and we are seeing uh, this identity that you have called us to live into and this good news that you have come to heal and restore and redeem and to save. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So go ahead and break up into groups, and I believe junior high and high school are going to meet over here in a group together with the Latimer. So if you're junior high, high school, you can go ahead and do that. So we're going to give you about 10 minutes or so to look through those um, passages we just read, and then we'll uh, ask some questions. We'll come back. All right, great. Good, I hope that was fruitful, some good discussion, and again, as a reminder, our whole goal was to look at those four identities, family, servant, missionary, disciple, or learner, how that was played out, you know, some 2,000 years ago in the church, and then we're, what we'll do again ne uh, next week is we'll actually review how we are formed, that formation, how the gospel forms us in those new identities, and how what was true of the church then is still relevant and alive now, that those identities that we discussed will be lived out in our everyday stuff of life through community and through mission. And so we'll hit on that next week. But real quickly, um, just we're going to take a real couple of just brief moments to summarize, where did you see the identity of family being lived out in these two passages? Just shoot it out. Great. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, somebody in our group had said that they were, they, they seem to have one goal together, right? One mind, one unity together, family. Great. What about servant, the identity of being a servant? Where is that played out in those passages? Yeah, we saw that in Acts 2, right? Laying down their own preferences, giving up possessions to those who are in need. Yeah. Steve had a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Nice. Yeah. yeah, and another thing you pointed out too is that um, just even for to call the Jews to go to other nations was a big deal of kind of laying down their own pride as, as God's chosen people, as his, his own, you know, we're the Jews, and laying down that pride to serve others by welcoming them. Yeah, yeah. What about missionary? 
<laughs> Anything else? Do you want to add to Chris's exemplary statement? All right, and then the identity of a disciple or learner. Where'd you see that at play? good. That's good. There's a lot of things I want to say right now, but we're going to wait till next week because you're opening up some really great stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. Good one. Yeah, absolutely. Great. And there's, probably, there, there's many more. I'm sure you guys dialogued with that too. And we're going to, again, unfold that a little bit more next week of how that actually is lived out today as a family of servant missionaries learning to walk in all the ways of Jesus in everything we do um, in gospel community and gospel mission. So we'll save that for next week. And we'll kind of summarize this. Not only will we have it on the podcast, but we'll also send it out um, as well for you um, as you're going into this week. So, um, but let's pray. And then uh, we're going to go to the table together. Father, we are grateful that you're such a good dad that loves us that you sent your son the servant king, to be our savior. That in and through Jesus, we have life abundantly. And the life to come eternally, but even now, just a, a, a snapshot, a foretaste of what is yet to come. And even in the midst of our struggles and our suffering, our back and forth with faith and fear, anxiety and peace. There's so much of the turmoil that we find even in life today, we know that we still can taste how good you are, God. And we long and hope for the day, Jesus, that you are coming again just as you promised to bring not only a new heavens and a new earth, but to bring a new us. As your scriptures say that we will as children of God, we will be like you because we will see you as you are. And so, Father, as we go to the table now of taking the bread and the cup, and it's reminding us of that promise that, Jesus, you came into the world to save the world and to give us a new identity. You sent us out on your mission, but the bread and the cup also remind us not only did you wash away our sins, but that you rose again to give us new life and a hopeful anticipation that you are coming again to make all things new. So God, as we go to the table this morning, may we be reminded of the great sacrifice, Jesus, that you made for our sake and for the glory of the Father. That even today, those of us who have sinned, those of us who have been living possibly in rebellion, that even now we could have forgiveness and new life today. 
That is good news. So God, may we take joyfully remembering the sacrifice of your son. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.